All right, good morning, Crossway Irvine. Great to be here with you. Uh, as we begin, I'm going to actually ask uh, for two volunteers. Uh, so, uh, Jane, Julie, do you mind coming up? I just need a little help with a little illustration, if you don't mind. So this morning, we're going to be talking about hope. Okay, and it's from Psalm 130. Uh, please come here. Don't be shy. If you could just stand right here, okay? So, uh, this is Jane, Julie. I'm just going to make up a story about their life. And I just want you to follow along, okay? It's not true, okay? Uh, but just kind of follow along, okay? So, Jane and Julie, they were close friends. Introduce yourself. Yeah. yeah. And uh, as they kind of go throughout the years, they, they just, they, they get closer, right? And you know how that works, you know? They, they, they <laughs> become closer friends, and, um, and they're dating. And now it's to the point where now they're taking that next step. I want to paint a picture. Just, why don't you put your hand down? Okay, just leave it right there, okay? I'm just going to paint a picture of their life. And I just want to tell you a little bit about their life. And so if you could just follow along, okay? So this is Jay, and he graduated top of his class at Stanford and now is a neurosurgeon, okay? He is top three in all of America so that he's one of the people they call if the president needs surgery. Okay? He does so well, he makes a cool, and I'll tell you it, $10 million a year. So he's doing well. Okay? Not only that, I mean, look at his physique. I mean, you can tell he works out. I mean, he looks good. And he fell in love with Julie. Now, because he loved her so much, he recently got engaged. So let's give him a hand. He recently got engaged, so wonderful. And he proposed with a five-carat diamond ring. Five carat, okay? Uh, not only that, if that wasn't enough, he had a, she said yes, gift, which was a six bedroom home in Newport Beach that they could start their life with. Okay? Now that's Jay, it's pretty impressive. If you think Jay's impressive, he's nothing compared to Julie, okay? <laughs> Julie is a pharmaceutical researcher, and now she's on the top research team in America to come up with the cure for cancer in a pill. If you think, if you think Jay's doing well, she makes a cool $20 million a year. And because she was so happy that Jay would go out of his way to do this, she bought a summer home in Italy for them to spend their summers in, and now they have that set. Not only that, she gave Jay a thank you gift for buying such a wonderful and being such a wonderful fiance. So he, she bought him a M5 jet blue or <laughs> black. She bought a matching one for herself as well. Lastly, she has a dog named Bobo. And so she's very content. I want you to take a look at this picture. The reason why I'm sharing this is this. We live in a world that tells us to put our hope in this. That this is the satisfied life. Oh, you're going through problems? Have more of this. Pursue this and your life will be fantastic. That this is the hope of our life. And you see, if we're not careful, we buy in. And our pursuit, energy, time, and effort goes into building this. And we think in that is our hope. 
This is why Psalm 130 is so important for us. Because it looks at this and shakes its head and it tells us, it commands us, hope in the Lord. Because our hope is not in this, our hope is in the almighty God who is for us and not against us, amen? All right, let's give Julian J a hand. Thank you, you can have a seat. So we're gonna look at Psalm 130 because what it's about is not just the command to hope in the Lord, but it gives us reasons why. Because it's gonna teach us and remind us of truth about the character of God. Because when you remember and learn about God, our hope rises. In Job 8.13, it says this, such are the paths of all who forget God, the hope of the godless shall perish. In other words, there is no hope for the godless who forget God. The Living Translation summarizes as well by saying, those who forget God have no hope. So if we're going to be people that access the hope that is available in God, we need to remember him, amen? We need to learn about him. We need to be people that are not just pursuing this and forgetting God, but we are filling our minds and growing in our intimacy with the Lord. So uh, this is why I love Psalm 130, because it's gonna take us. It's one of the Psalm of Ascents. You know what that is? It's what the people of God, there's 15 Psalms, that they would sing as they would journey to Jerusalem up the mountain to prepare their heart for worship. And some of us, as we journey through life, we need to sing these psalms over our lives so that in our ups and downs, we seek the hope that we have in God. So there's gonna be four truths that we wanna focus on so that our hope would rise as we go through the depths of life. You with me? All right, I know one person is with me, so um, let me ask you again. Uh, you guys with me? All right, let's go. So here are the four truths that we want to learn about the character of our God. Number one, we hope in God because he's a God that cares for us and hears our cries. Isn't that beautiful? We love a God and we serve a God and we know a God who cares for us and hears our cries. Verses one and two, it says this, the psalmist, out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. O Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my pleas for mercy. There is a palpable sense of desperation because he's calling to God out of the depths. The depths is a combination of physical difficulty and internal stress and sin. And in those situations which we all face, we have to learn to cry out to God. Um, I googled uh, Christian man hope, and uh, this was the picture that came up, okay? This is like, I clicked images, about six pictures or seven pictures in, this was what it was. The reason why is this. When you think in your mind of a person that has hope in God, a man or a woman that has hope in God, sometimes we imagine a person like this, Life is not like this. 
Life is messy, and sometimes it will mess you up. And in those moments, in those depths, God is available. And we need to learn to cry out to God in desperation because he is our source of help. I love these verses. In Psalm 18:6, it says this, in my distress, I called upon the Lord. To my God, I cried for help. From his temple, he heard my voice and my cry to him reached his uh, one of my favorite verses in all of scripture is from 1 Peter 5, 7. It says this, cast all your cares upon him, or casting all your anxieties upon him. Why? Because what? Because he cares for you. I want you to know something, my brothers and sisters. We have a God that is not just afar in heaven, looking down upon us, but he's involved in our lives because he cares for you and I. And he hears every cry that we would cry to him. So we go to him and we cry out. I don't know about you, but one of the most frustrating things that I, I, I have to endure is when I have something important to say and no one is listening. Uh, I changed from Sprint to AT&T and it's been really frustrating. I don't care what their commercials say, it's not as good as AT&T. So sometimes I'm saying something and I'm trying to get something across and the other person can't understand what I'm saying. And it's very frustrating, isn't it? But our God is not like that. Uh, I heard that actually one of the biggest frustrations for airline stewardesses or attendants is what? Anyone know? Anyone can guess? It's having to do the safety demo. Why? Because no one listens. You've been there. Don't try to act all like you're like, no, you, you're like, probably like doing whatever you, no one listens. And yet, it's very important, isn't it? It's funny, I found the Instagram picture. This is a true story. Flight attendant on Delta Airlines posted this pic with caption, only one paying attention to the safety demo. It's a dog looking in, right? Because it's frustrating, especially when it's so important. See, I don't know what your vision or perspective of God is. But I want you to know something. He's a God that cares for you. He's a God that hears our cries. He is involved and he wants to be there to comfort us. And when you recognize and you realize that truth, that that is the character and nature of our God, our hope rises, doesn't it? Doesn't it? Yes, it does for me. So we learn the first part here which is that we have hope in God because he cares for us and hears our cries. The second one is this. We hope in God because he's a God of mercy and forgiveness. Check this out. We don't deserve God to intervene on our behalf. You know why? Well, because of our sin. Let's read verse three. It says this. If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? That word mark is the Hebrew word shamar which is the same word of store up or an accountant who would keep a ledger of all the mistakes and sin. If God would do that, none of us could have hope. Because if God got involved because we deserved it, none of us would deserve God's care and love in our lives. But this is the coolest thing, right? You're gonna get some gospel right now in the Psalms. 
Okay, verse 4. That first word is the most beautiful word you're going to hear. But. That's not a joke, by the way. But with you, there is forgiveness. With God, there is forgiveness and mercy that we don't deserve, a pardon that we should not even ask for because our iniquities are so high. And yet, with God, we serve a God where no sin is enough to keep us away from God's hand of care and love in our lives. Um, This was so comforting that St. Augustine wrote verse 4 on his wall on his deathbed to remind him that at the end of the day, what matters is what? That God forgives me and he loves me. And in that way, we have hope because if it was up to us, hope would die. But because God is a God that loves us enough to have forgiveness and mercy on our lives, we have hope. Uh, I love the second part of verse 4. I don't want you to miss it because it's very profound. It says this, but with you there is forgiveness that you may be feared. Isn't that interesting? That should throw you off. Because what you should expect is, well, there is forgiveness that you may be what? Loved, maybe, right? Or maybe it should have been phrased, well, there is justice with you so that you may be feared. What is the psalmist saying? It's revealing something impactful and very powerful, which is for the psalmist, he recognizes clearly who God is. He does not take his sin lightly. He recognizes that God saved them. He didn't have to. He could have condemned them because of the weight of his sin, but God saved them, and because of that, he recognizes him as God Almighty, Savior, reverential, and worthy of all of our fear and worship. And so we, in the same way, need to fear God, but to do that, you need to understand the gravity of the sin which God saved you from. Have you guys been following the Olympics? Let me give you an illustration. Let's say Michael Phelps is in the pool, just like a regular pool. It's like five feet deep. And I jump in, try to drag him out because I'm trying to save him. I pull him out to the side of the pool. I start to try to give him mouth-to-mouth resuscitation. What is he going to do? He's going to be like, you weirdos, get away from me. Like, what are you doing? Because he doesn't need to be saved, right? But let's say there's another person who doesn't know how to swim, is in the middle of the ocean. They are dying. They are at their last breath, gasping, and knowing that this is it. I'm going to go. And I jump out there. I pull that person to the side. I start to give them mouth to mouth. They're starting to black out, but they come back. Their view of me will be what? Very different than Michael Phelps. They would see me as someone that they needed that they are thankful of. And in that same way, what this is telling you and is revealed is that the psalmist recognizes the weight of his sin and knows that when you know a God that has saved you and forgiven you from the depths of hell, you live life in worship, in reverent worship. You don't see God as a get out of hell free card. I love that. He's a God of mercy and forgiveness. Don't forget the depths that 
which he saved you from. And that way, our hope rises. Number three, we hope in God because his promises are certain. Let's look at verse five and six. I wait for the Lord. My soul waits, and in his word I hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than watchmen for the morning, more than watchmen for the morning. The psalmist is waiting on God, and the picture is of a watchman who is tired because they've been working all night. But they know one thing, what? The morning is certain to come. It's absolutely guaranteed. And when the morning comes, there is rest. And so they eagerly desire after that morning. And in the same way, the psalmist is saying, look, when you hope in God, what you do is you wait on the Lord to work and you know one thing, that it is certain, it is absolutely guaranteed. That hope is not wishful thinking. Now, which is interesting because in our culture, when we use the word hope, it's in the context of wishful thinking, isn't it? I hope it doesn't rain today. Or you might say something like, oh, I hope the Lakers win a championship in my lifetime. That's wishful thinking, okay? Let's just be honest. Lakers might never, ever win again. Or you might say, well, I hope I win the lottery, and you go. Did you know that you are more likely to be struck by lightning than to win the lottery, the big big jackpot? I actually heard this week that it is more likely for you to become an astronaut than to actually win the lottery. So we use the word hope when there's an uncertain outcome and we just wish that it would happen. But here, when it says to hope in the Lord, what it's telling us is, look, God makes promises and you can hope in the word of God. And all his promises, like the dawn that will come for certain, is an absolute guarantee that when God promises it and he is involved, it is an absolute certainty. So when he make promises to us that he works all things for the good of those who love him, that's a promise you can hold on to and it's an absolute certainty, amen? See, and then your hope rises. Because in God, when he promises, in his word, you can take hope because it will pass like the dawn that will come. The last one is this. Hope in God because he is a God with steadfast love and plentiful redemption. Let's read verses seven and eight. It says this, O Israel, hope in the Lord. For with the Lord there is steadfast love and with him is plentiful redemption. And he will redeem Israel from all his iniquities, right? It reminds us that God is a God, not just of love, but of steadfast love. It's unending, unalterable, that God loves with that sort of love for us. Not just redemption, but plentiful redemption. He has enough for every sin and for every soul. See, maybe some of us have been praying for a family member that is not saved. No one is too far from the hand of God. He has plentiful redemption for every soul, for every sin. And so, I want to encourage you. Maybe you are that person. Maybe you're praying for a father or a, or a brother or a sister or an uncle that is not saved. Do not give up. Have hope in the Lord because there is plentiful redemption and steadfast love found in our God. As you learn these things, as you're reminded of these things, the psalm of ascent is teaching us that we constantly need our minds and our hearts 
to meditate and to remember this as we walk through life. Because the challenge is maybe at church right now, hope is starting to rise. But what if you go back and all of a sudden you are consumed with the pursuits of life and you slowly forget God? I pray that this morning you would remember that we have a God that loves us, cares for us, hears our cries, that showers us with mercy and forgiveness, that is there for us with plentiful, plentiful, abundant redemption and love, care, and affection. Hope in the Lord. Hope in the Lord. Not in yourself. Not in the things that the world tells us. Hope in the Lord. O Israel, O church, hope in the Lord. Let's pray together. Jesus, we thank you that you are not just our hope, but you are the hope of all mankind. And sometimes we forget you in the midst of the busyness of life. We forget that you are involved or that your grace and mercy and forgiveness is so plentiful. For maybe some of us that are going through some very difficult depths, Holy Spirit, take these truths. Remind us of how good you are. And let us live lives where we hope in the living God. We love you so much. In your name we pray. Amen.